Hi, welcome to the Sage's Cabin podcast. I'm your host, Rox Madeira. So grab a cup of tea and come and join me in the Sage's Cabin as we chat about everything from herbal gardening, herbal medicine, movement practices, wild food, postnatal and just general well-being. Today I'm talking to Leanne from Wild Food Stories and we're going to chat about um, her academic research on wild food and culture in the UK and how it differs from abroad, the role of foraging in environmental and human well-being and just about her generally and her business and about the workshop that she's offering at the Scottish Wild Food Festival in September. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi Leanne. Hi Rox, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for joining me on this podcast and we're looking forward to um, having you at the Scottish Wild Food Festival in September. So I wondered if we could start with just you telling me a little bit about how uh, who you are and uh, your foraging experience and your business. Sure, yeah. So I'm Leanne Townsend. I run Wild Food Stories. Um, I'm based in Aberdeenshire. So um, I run courses and workshops and work with, you know, drinks companies and all kinds of different events all around wild food and drink as well. So, yeah. And how did you get into foraging? I got into foraging years ago. I think it was when I first moved out here into rural Aberdeenshire and started finding these yellow mushrooms and wondered what they were and quickly discovered that they were chanterelles and, um, yeah, it just started from there, really, and spiralled into a bit of a, a kind of mushroom obsession at first. Um, and I went on a really rapid learning curve, learning about how to identify safely, you know, your edible mushrooms. And then I started to feel this kind of sadness, you know, during the, the winter and spring months whilst I was waiting for mushrooms to start again. And it was at that point that I picked up on plants and started foraging for plants as well. And then, you know, my obsession just grew and grew. And eventually the, the kind of the logical progression from that was to teach other people. And that's how Wild Food Stories came about. Okay. Yeah, I really like all your um, posts and stuff on Instagram. They're really pretty. Oh, thank you. Foods. They all look very tempting. <laughs> I suppose I'm a, a massive foodie as well. I've always loved cooking and creating new recipes. So it's just the perfect match with, wild food you know learning new ways to cook dishes and ways to preserve and ferment them and things so there's always something fun to do and is that all your preserves behind you yeah that's all my kind of magical potions and dried mushrooms pickled mushrooms there's powders and herbs and all kinds of things going on back there and then I've got a whole other cupboard over there full of wild liqueurs and you know drinks for making my cocktails with so yeah so I understand they also do academic research is that right and um about like wild food culture and I was just wondering like have you how what have you found um to be the difference between the culture here in the UK and in other parts of the world yeah that's that's absolutely right so um by by day i'm also an academic researcher and my research has tended to be about um rural communities and rural development and um in the you know 
in the last couple of years, I've been trying to bring together those interests and start to do research on wild food and especially, you know, what motivates people, what the culture is. Uh, and I've also worked with a, um, another academic called Lukasz Lukjak in Poland, who is, you know, one of the, the main academic experts really on wild food cultures around the world and written a paper with him and comparing the different cultures. It seems that in the UK, um, we haven't retained that sort of connection to our heritage around uh, foraging for wild foods in the same way that some other countries have, particularly in Eastern Europe, mm -hmm. where wild foods, the foraging for mushrooms and other kinds of wild foods is really considered to be, you know, it's not um, a hobby, it's a, a part of everyday life and preserving those foods throughout the year. So I think that myself and a lot of other foragers, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure including you, Rocks, are interested in helping people to reestablish that connection with this heritage. Mm -hmm. And do you think it's, it's changing now in the UK? Yeah, definitely. I mean, over the last few years, we've seen an increase in interest in foraging um, and people wanting to kind of get back to to the land and interact more with nature. But I think, um, I don't know about you, but I've definitely seen a huge surge in that since, you know, the first lockdown since COVID as well. You know, people are, I suppose there's less other things that they're able to do. So they turn to nature and start to realize that actually this is really beneficial to my well-being, being out here and finding ways to have meaningful interactions with nature that go beyond, I suppose, just a, a casual walk. Um, is really interesting and I think that people are starting to see that so the demand for my courses has risen hugely um, and people are engaging more online and yeah it's really good it's nice to see. Yeah I have noticed that as well people getting out in nature foraging and also gardening and things as well and just and cooking yeah. just generally it's that yeah. kind of reconnecting back to things that are important <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely important. And, you know, that kind of local movement as well, which people have almost been forced into it a little bit because, you know, travel had kind of ground to a halt. And, you know, it's really nice to see. And why, why do you think we, we lost that connection in the first place in the UK more than in other countries? I've heard various different theories on this, um, and I'm not sure how much, you know, how much truth. It's probably a little bit of everything, but... Um, Somebody that I was talking to the other day mentioned the British Empire and the fact that we were going to all these different countries and bringing back spices and foods and things like that, that might have drawn our attention away from what our own native spices and, and kind of fruits and things like that. So that might be one reason. I suppose the rapid introduction of agriculture um, could also be a factor. Being an island rather than being connected I don't know if that's somehow related to it as well. Um, but having said that, I've done storytelling projects with like older people in a nearby village when only only a few decades ago they were still collecting, you know, lingonberries and things off the local hillsides and selling them to Baxters who make, you know, that make the jams, used to drive around in a little old-fashioned van and pick up berries from the local villages. And it was like a small rural economy. So I don't think we have to look too far back to see when people were still doing this beyond it just being a bit of a hobby, you know, mm -hmm. and it being part of their 
their lives and preserving and it, it, it kind of seems that like we just really embraced the kind of the convenience food as soon as it kind of came in in yeah. the 70s or whatever it was yeah absolutely and I think that just seemed to be where you know nobody really understood the implications of convenience food for health I don't suppose anyone realized at the time oh this isn't as good for you this isn't as good for the planet this isn't this is going to go in the wrong direction um it just seemed to be the next big thing that you know if you were anyone you were feeding people this convenience food and it was quite fashionable so it kind of took over yeah, it's kind of given us a bit of a reputation, hasn't it? Of being um, that we are food rubbish over here. <laughs> yeah, that's what my kind of mother-in-law and stuff kind of think. It, I think <laughs> it's a really unfortunate reputation that Scottish food has, especially if you look at some of the really good stuff that's coming out. Uh, you know, in food and drink in Scotland at the moment, some of the best, you know, produce in the world, and some of the best chefs in the world as well. But it unfortunately just has this really dire reputation. Yeah, I guess things have well, changed quite slowly the winter for people to kind of change that perception of what we're doing. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you also talk about like the role of, we just mentioned it, like the role of foraging in environmental health and people's well-being. So why do you think it's important for people to like, and why do you think it's beneficial for people to go and reconnect with the land like this? I think that spending time in nature is always beneficial to your mental well-being but there's something extra that comes when you do something meaningful that connects you to that landscape you know I think um so you know like in my own case for example I always enjoyed just you know I've always had dogs and so I've always enjoyed a walk in the woods but I think that the real change for me came when I began foraging because that made me feel like I was part of that habitat because because mm-hmm. we are part of that habitat we belong there just as the other animals do and that's something else that's been lost isn't it yeah. that understanding that we are actually part of that natural system um and so that's something that's really important to me to get people to see that you know and doing something that physically and emotionally connects you with the land and in, you're interacting with it in a meaningful way um, is really powerful, I think, in that respect. Yeah. And so if ever I'm having a really bad day, it's amazing what just a half hour forage can do. I'm paying more attention to my natural environment when I'm foraging because I'm looking for the different species. I'm paying attention to the you know, how damp is the soil, what's growing here. You know, if I if I see a particular species of mushroom, then I should follow this little path into the forest to see if I can find something that I know grows close by to that to that other species. So it's it's really expanding that understanding um and just being in a really therapeutic environment, you know. Yeah. And I think as well, because you're kind of using all your senses, aren't you, a lot more than maybe you are if you're just going out on a just a a quick stroll or something yeah you just you're just tuned in aren't you completely um and sometimes even in ways that you can't fully consciously understand Mm -hmm. um and you know i would always say that most foragers are really pro you know they are custodians of the environment they are good for the environment because they have this increased understanding of those natural habitats and having a stronger desire to protect them as well 
yeah and that's i think that's another thing that we lost isn't it that that connection and that custodianship we've just kind of gone into this habit or this culture of just take 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 and grab everything and yeah just, you know not thinking about the other, other species that maybe we need to to utilize those plants or rely yeah, on exactly them. but you start to realize that once you start to spend more time there and you see the subtle differences from one visit to the next based on different factors you know yeah yeah so you're coming to the festival in September. So can you tell us a yep. bit about your workshops that you're offering? Yeah, OK, so we're going to do a foraging walk. It's a good time of year to hopefully find mushrooms, um, as well as hopefully a nice array of different plants. We should find some interesting fruits and seeds and botanicals as well. So we can talk about those different um, species from a number of different angles, like how we can use them in cooking, how we might um, use some of those seeds as kind of native spices, botanicals in drinks, that kind of thing. Um, hopefully there'll be some tasters so that people can get an idea of the different ways that I use these different uh, plants and mushrooms as well. Fingers crossed it's, it's uh, we, we have some rain and we find some good mushrooms as well as the plants. Yeah, although not too much rain on the day. <laughs> Fingers crossed yeah, not on the day. day. <laughs> exactly, that's what we're looking for just in advance. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Thank you for taking the time to chat to me. No problem. And I look forward to seeing you at the festival. Yeah, it's going to be brilliant. I can't oh, wait to, I to be there. Can you tell people how they can connect with you? No problem. Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm at Wild Food Story, all one word. Um, Facebook is Wild Food Stories. <laughs> um, and then my website is wildfoodstories.co.uk. Great. That's great. So thank All you. Right. We'll Thanks, you Rob. Soon. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye. So if you fancy coming along and meeting Leanne and joining in her workshop, the tickets for her workshop are on sale now. And the tickets for the Scottish Wild Food Festival are on sale as well at www.scottishwildfoodfestival.co.uk and it's happening September 18th and 19th 2021. If you like the podcast please like, share and spread the news so other people can have a listen too.